This morning, I have the privilege of inviting my wife to come and speak to you today. We're going to be continuing our series. So why don't you welcome Pastor Esther as she comes and speaks today. <laughs> Thanks, everyone. Well done. It is. It has been weak. Uh, I know a lot of you guys have been sick. Don't want to labor on about that. But um, yeah, it's so great to be together and gather together um, as well. Um, this morning, we're going to continue looking at our Kingdom First series, but this is a bit of a my teacher mode coming out. Um, I've got a little bit of a game. Who likes a good game? Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to read the passage that we've been looking at, and I want you to, to guess. I'm gonna, there's going to be some blank uh, spots, okay? And I want you to try and see if you can guess the word that is our topic for today. So from Matthew 6, I'm reading from the NIV, verse 25 to 34, it says, Therefore, I tell you, do not about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not so uh, not sorry? Not much more valuable than they. Can any one of you buy a single add a single hour to your life? And why do you about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow; they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon, in all his splendor, was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore do not, about tomorrow, for tomorrow will, do you want to try and fill in the blanks, can I hear? Worry, <laughs> you got it. Well done about itself. Um, each day has enough trouble of its own. Your prize is that we have food after the service. <laughs> well done. <laughs> yes, you guessed it. We are talking about worry um, this morning because this whole, the verse that we've been looking at, verse 33, the context around it is all about worry. Um, as you can see, it's in there quite a lot. And so how would we define worry well, a formal definition is the state of being anxious and troubled over actual or potential problems. Um, I have to admit, this is probably one of my pet things that I, I, I struggle with. I am an absolute overthinker. I'm a worrywart. Um, for me, I tend to get it around 3 a.m. I don't know if anyone else is like this. You wake up at 3 a.m. and you remember a conversation where you said something dumb and you're thinking about it <laughs> or you're thinking about, you know, something, something that could happen or you're worried about this and you're hyper, hypothetical. Oh, you're saying the wrong word. What's that word? Hyper... Yeah, oh, hi hypothesizing what might happen. Sorry, that one. <laughs> big words. I shouldn't be using big words today. Um... And I'm just cringing about something I've said, um, you know, and, and you're just thinking about things that really you have no control over. Um, that's what it looks like for me. Um, maybe for you it might look like that or, you know, maybe it's biting your nails. Um, it could be getting snappy or getting really quiet. Um, it could be, um, you know, going into cleaning mode uh, or... Uh, you know, starting to talk to a lot of people about your problems. Um, and 
other people, they go to the gym or they go and exercise to kind of work out that energy. Um, so all of us do face worry at some point, maybe differing degrees of worry, depending on the situation. Um, and so that's why Jesus is speaking about it, because worry is something that we face. Um, worry, though, is not diligent planning. Okay, I want to distinguish this or rightful concern. We are going to be concerned about things in, in and there's a healthy place for that um, and there is a place for diligent planning wisdom calls us to be considerate and rightly concerned um, of potential problems um, using the common sense that God has given us um, and also good stewards of what we have now um, and planners for the future under God that's actually an act of worship to steward what we have to be think forward thinking um, and and that kind of thing but worry is a bit different it's the fruitless pondering and stressing over things, especially things beyond our control or in the future that we, we really don't know the outcome of. And so I guess the difference between the two is that the first is about, um, you know, it's kind of our life unto God and good stewardship and planning, whereas the other one is kind of our life in front of or before God and us, you know, trying to control things instead of letting things go to God. So why do we then worry? If, if it's not very fruitful, why do we do it? Think about when you worry, why do you do that? Um, what's the real reason that we do it? I've come up with a few um, reasons. It's not exhaustive. The first is that we try to protect ourselves from the unexpected. Okay, We really we, we want to try and prevent. We're think, thinking through all the situations and we're, um, you know, thinking about our possible reactions to those, what we can do to prevent all that happening. And really, that's us trying to become all-knowing um, of, of what can happen. The second reason is that we can actually try to prevent suffering. None of us like to suffer. So why would we, why would we purposely, um, you know, allow suffering to happen if we can prevent it? And so for us, worrying... Um, is a way that we kind of feel like we're in control to hold off suffering. Um, and again, that's us trying to be kind of sovereign or in control. And thirdly, I've already said this a little bit, but we try to control situations and reactions. So kind of similar. Um, and it's kind of like we're trying to play God here. That's kind of ultimately what it comes down to is we are trying to play God with our worry. So what happens when we worry? What do we actually achieve? Not a lot. Um, and if we do achieve something, it's nothing great. Um, if you just do a quick search on any psychology site, they will tell you that it actually takes a big toll on our health when we worry. Mentally, it can lead to anxiety and depression. It's kind of the first steps in going that way. Um, physically, it elevates our stress levels and weakens our immune systems. So hopefully that's not why we're all sick. Um, but <laughs> that's, that's essentially what it does to our bodies. Um, and we, we can say nothing is actually achieved externally. Um, we don't achieve anything, but internally it breaks us down. Um, it achieves the opposite of what we actually hope that it will. And I just want to make a note here, because obviously talking about worry, linking that to mental health, I don't want to minimise, um, you know, mental health challenges or seeing a psychologist or a counsellor. Um, you know, I think it's amazing that we actually live in a time that doesn't stigmatise, you know, seeking professional help. It's amazing. Um, but 
this is still something that Jesus addresses. And, um, you know, it's, it's actually kind of a preventative thing. Like we said before, if worry is kind of the first step to going worse in mental health, the fact that Jesus addresses it is way beyond his time. Um, he does challenge our approach that it wouldn't be the way we would approach worry wouldn't be the exact same that the rest of the world approaches worry. Um, and so we've got to keep in mind that this is from the one who created us. He created our minds. He knows how we work. And so he is definitely qualified to speak on worry. Lastly, you might have heard some of these, but I didn't put them on the screen. What am I looking at that for? Um, there are some quotes about worry that you might have heard that do give you some good understanding of worry. Firstly, a day of worry is more exhausting than a day of work. Anyone agree with that? I definitely do. Um, worrying means you suffer twice. Worrying is like sitting in a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get you anywhere. Worrying, and lastly, worrying does not take away tomorrow's troubles, but it takes away today's peace. So there, there are some interesting quotes that can just, just give us the picture of what worry does to us. Um, and like I said, you know, we can kind of find ourselves in two extremes. First, we can find ourselves in the extreme of excessive worry, excessive care, everything. Uh, we're worried about everything. On the other end of the spectrum, we can almost care about nothing, have a careless, carelessness attitude. And we're not called to either of those. We're actually called to a middle way. Um, Jesus is, is saying that, you know, the idea of do not worry actually is originally translated to take no thought. And what that's saying is um, take no thought to be troubled with care about sustaining life, about a thing or an object, or about tomorrow and the future. And so that's, that's what Jesus is calling us to, to in a healthy way, to not be weighed down um, by the things of life that can cause us to worry. If we are called to seek to a seek first life, then we will have to deal with worry. Um, and that's, again, like I said, the overall context of this verse. And so like with Jesus, everything he talks about is never surface level. He's always using the topic to actually address the state of our heart and to say it's not about necessarily just the topic. It's about how is your approach to the topic showing what you think about God, showing what you think about yourself um, and so this morning I've titled my message, Choose Your Provider, God or Worry. Because we do have a choice, if, even if we don't realise it. So I'm just going to unpack each of these verses so we can get a bit of a clearer picture of what Jesus is trying to say to us through this. So verse 25, he says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? and the body more than clothes. So this verse is challenging because if you're anything like me, um, food, drinking, and clothes, that's on our minds quite a lot. You know, I wake up and I'm like, what am I going to eat? Wake up, when am I going to get a good, good coffee? <laughs> what am I going to wear? I haven't done the washing. I don't have anything to wear. You know, these things do consume us. So it's, it's quite challenging um, to hear that and go, oh gosh, okay, I don't need to worry about those things. Um, and so Jesus says, you know, don't worry about that. And we go, okay, well, what do you mean by that? Really, he's addressing our tendency to revolve our lives around just what we eat, um, 
just clothing and not just today but future provisions. Um, And so we actually, because we're so busy focusing on those things, we actually miss the main point of life in the long run. Um, It also highlights our worry about the future and getting ahead of ourselves. So he's not just talking necessarily just about the day. He's saying we tend to let this consume us for ongoing um, and for the future. This is why Jesus teaches us to pray, give us our daily bread. Okay, having that daily focus. Um, And it's about not putting all our energies into just these physical things. Um, The idea is that our bodies are actually intended to be our servants and not our masters. And so with the rhetorical question that he's raising, the answer of meaning, yes, of course, my life and my body are more important than food and clothing, The answer then is if God has given me a body and a life, then he's going to give me food and clothing. I don't need to worry. You know, recently I've been trying to sleep in um, and Jordan isn't too keen on that um, some mornings because she's like, come on, wake up. She literally says, mummy, up, mummy, get up. I'm like, no, I don't want to get up yet. Um, I'm like, go play, go do something. (laughs) But she'll start, you know, if that doesn't work, she'll go hungry. Mummy, hungry. And she'll start to, you know, tell me she's hungry, right? Um, and if I don't respond in that instance, she'll go, Mummy, hungry, hungry, hungry. And she'll just start to accelerate um, to get my attention. And it works because I'm like, okay, I'll get you some food now. Um, but I guess sometimes I'm like, Jordan, when have I ever not fed you? You know, when have I ever not looked after you? And really, that's kind of a picture of what it's like with us when we we worry so much. We're like, God, come on, feed us, give us this, give us that. He's like, when have I not provided for you? Um, And it's a picture of us choosing not to worry, but actually to, to rest in God to provide. And so Jesus really is teaching us a worry-free existence of simple trust in God for our provisions. And so then he goes into two illustrations as examples. Verse 26, he says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not not much more valuable than they? And so when we look at the birds, right, when we look at the birds in the sky, as you do, You know, they're kind of this picture of lightness, they're free, they're unrestrained. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen like a flock of birds where they're all together up in the sky and they're making like this perfect unison and they're making shapes and they're flying wherever they want. And it's actually quite mesmerising, it's quite beautiful. The phrase for that is actually a murmuration, if you didn't know that one. Um, And it's, it's captivating because they just look so free, they just look so light. Um... And so, you know, birds do spend energy doing the natural thing. They build their nests. You know, they do search for food. Um, And so it's not like they're just, you know, we're like, just be lazy. The birds don't do anything. They do do things. Um, But it's actually God who feeds and clothes them. And so it illustrates God's care for his creatures, which is what we are. We are his creatures. Jesus then uses this lesser and greater argument. Okay, so the lesser being the birds Um, And the greater being us. So saying, if God looks after the lesser things, the birds, how much more will he look after the greater things? You. God will take care of our needs. And like I said, 
You know, it doesn't mean we don't need to work or be good stewards of our lives, but it's highlighting that um, it's it's not trying to secure and uh, uh, make security that's independent of God. It's with God, um, and so it's actually about us um, being willing to do what God has asked us to do, not holding tight. So our work and our and what God has what, what God has provided and opportunities um, are chances for us to build His kingdom. But when it becomes about us building our kingdom and holding tightly, when He might be telling us to let go, that might be a whole different thing. You know, I've been working at my school for the past four years. Um, I actually get to teach drama and Christian ed, which I love. Um, you know, get to teach teenagers about the Bible and then we get to go and play drama games it's great (laughs) it's the dream job Um, but obviously this year um, you know starting to um, have another baby and and my work haven't I don't know if you know it's 50 minutes away it's in Fremantle and we live in Belga and so just that practical side of traveling and, and different things our lives are kind of here now we used to be south it used to be 15 minutes but now it's not Um, And so I started to sense that God was asking me to let it go. Um, And I was like, no, I don't want to let it go (laughs) because I like, you know, I'm comfortable. I know everyone. I know all the students. I know all the staff. I've got my place there. Um, You know, obviously it's predictable. um, It's safety. um, It's a job security, things like that. And so, um, and also it's just the combination of roles. I just felt like it was really tailored for me. And so letting that go, I was like, oh, gosh, God, like, I don't, I don't want to let it go. But I could sense that if I held on, I would actually be disobeying him. Um, and so I started to wrestle with that and did come to the point where I was like, okay, after my mat leave, I'm going to finish up at this school and um, was able to talk to my boss and it's all great. Um, but I guess for me, it wasn't so much the idea of my job, it was what the job symbolised and the control it symbolised, or the comfort it symbolised. And so, again, for us, in realising that, you know, God gives us work to do, and it's great, but again, if it's done in control, it's actually not unto God. It's, it's before God. Okay, verse 27, he then gives us a really obvious statement, um, and he says, Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Another rhetorical question. And the unspoken answer is, of course, no. It doesn't add anything to your life, as we've talked about before. Um, The rocking chair, it's something to do, but it doesn't actually achieve anything. Worrying cannot extend the length of one's life. And so Jesus is just making it very plain, very factual. Worrying doesn't achieve anything. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Um, Okay, verse 28 to 30, he then talks about another example and he says why do you worry about clothes see how the flowers of the field grow they do not labor or spin yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these if that is how God clothes the grass of the field which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire will he not much more clothe you you of little faith And so here Jesus has appealed to the example of the birds and now he's appealing to the example of flowers or lilies in some other translations. When we think about Jesus, the context of Jesus speaking this, he was on on a mountain. 
um, he was delivering. That's why it's called the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm sure that there was probably some sort of wildflowers happening around there, um, or if not, close by. And so, again, this kind of this example from everyday life, things that people would have seen. Um, and again, he's using that lesser and greater argument, okay? The lesser being the wildflowers of the field, um, which actually have such a brief existence. If you pluck them, they die within a couple of hours. Um, you know, they look beautiful, but they, they pass away quickly. And in that time, they were used for fuel in a baking oven. So pretty worthless in the scheme of life. So God, he's saying, if God will look after those, then surely he'll look after you. He will look after you. And when he says that phrase, little, you have little faith, it's actually a favourite quote of his, um, only mainly found in Matthew. And it's only ever directed to his disciples, not people who have no faith. And so what this means is that little faith isn't the lack of, or the absence of faith, but actually a deficiency of faith. It's a faith that doesn't match uh, head knowledge of who God is. Um, and so essentially, it's, it's addressing what does your worry say about what you think about God or who you know God to be? Do you believe that he's in control or he's not? He's, he either is or is not. Um, do you believe that he can provide? Because he can either provide or he can't. Do you believe that he sees all and cares about you? Because he either does or he doesn't. And so really the question is, who do you believe God to really be? And towards the end, he says, verse 31 to 20, oh, sorry, 21 to 23. Oops, where am I? 31 to 33. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. And so in conclusion, he's saying, you know, not spending our lives in this anxious pursuit of the temporal, of food and drink and clothing. And then he highlights the difference between people who know God versus those that don't know God. And so the idea is that people who don't know God don't have a basis um, for, I guess, trusting in something bigger. And so life, this is it. It, it is all about accumulating. It is all about making sure that you are in control of your life because there is no God to uh, rely on. But as believers or disciples, we know that we have a heavenly father who loves us, who knows our needs. And so we don't need to act the same way. We shouldn't approach worry um, in the same way. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to go down. I'm going to just on the last few verses, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. And so we've actually unpacked those verses quite a bit in the last few weeks. But again, Jesus is saying, when you put his interests first in your life, he will guarantee your future needs. This is actually really strong language for us. Um, it's not like, well, maybe, maybe I'll look after you. We'll see how we go. It's saying, no, I will. Um, if you seek me first, if you put me first, I will provide for you. I'll provide your needs. Okay, keyword needs, not necessarily wants. Um, he's a good father, but he did say needs. And so for us as disciples, that we make the priority of our lives, um, the kingdom of heaven, um, the center of our daily life. 
And then lastly, verse 34, he says, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And so for us, this is highlighting that the the responsibility of us as disciples is to live for God and to trust him um, with the future, with an unshakable confidence that he will provide. Again, that prayer, give us today our daily bread. And so, you know, we, we essentially are called to live this life one day at a time with that, that childlike faith of trust in God. And that as we actually learn to rely on God in the daily, in the little, like the food and, and things like that, it actually gives us capacity to trust him for greater needs. Um, as we learn to let God care for today, um, we actually become increasingly secure in God's care for us for tomorrow, regardless of whatever may come. And so, like I said before, the fact that we actually do worry is the reason why Jesus has has talked about this. We do come across worry and we will come across worry. Um, but we can actually see our worry as an opportunity um, to to respond, like I said before, in a different way. Um, And so I just want to close in on two opportunities worry gives us if the worship team want to come and join. The first, I'll just move forward. (laughs) The first opportunity is that worry gives us an opportunity to remember. It actually gives us a chance. When we face worry, we're thinking about something that comes up in our lives or we're uncertain about a decision or uncertain about, uh, you know, a, a provision that we need we can actually take the opportunity rather than just sitting there and stressing out we can actually take it as an opportunity to remember who God is and who we are Um, one of the names that God reveals um, about himself in the very beginning of the Bible in Genesis is Jehovah Jireh and it means the Lord will provide. I won't go into the story, but I'm sure many of you have heard of it, but God calls Abraham to do something quite wild um, and quite crazy. Um, And it doesn't make any sense to Abraham, Um, but uh, he he followed through and God provided for him. And so um, there's three other ideas that we actually find in the Bible about God's nature. Again, you might have heard some of these. We call them the doctrine of God. It sounds very fancy. Um, but essentially, it's just beliefs about God that we can know and we can rely on about his character and about his nature. The first is that God is omnipotent. Um, oh, I'm going to say this wrong. <laughs> omnipotent. Okay. Has anyone heard that one before? Okay. It means all-powerful. And that means that God, he can do whatever he wants to do. He can't sin. He can't do anything that goes against his nature, but nothing is too hard for him. We don't have a God that's weak. We don't have a God that we have to be like, oh, I'll provide food for you. Um, just on that, actually, one uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was teaching a year seven class and we were talking about, it was kind of an introduction to looking at different world religions and we're looking at Buddhism. And I actually had a student in my class tell me, oh, yeah, no, I come from a Buddhist family and um, one of the the things that we do with our idols is we actually offer them food um, because our job is to actually make sure that we have provided for their needs. And I I commented, that's really interesting because from Christianity, it's the opposite. 
it's we don't actually have to provide God with anything. He provides for us. And so that's where this whole idea comes from, that God is all-powerful. There's nothing he can't do. Um, that ultimately he is in complete and total control. Another word we might use for that is sovereign. And so that is why when we come across worry, we don't have to be in control. It's a reminder, God is in control. I'm not. That's not my job. Someone is way more qualified to do that and it's God. So that's the first one. The second is God is omniscient or all-knowing. And that means that God knows everything. God knows all past, present, future. And again, this is what qualifies him to actually be the judge of everything. It qualifies him to be the one that says what is right and what is wrong, um, what is true and what is false, because he is the only one that sees it all. And so again, uh, and also, sorry, it's personal. It's not just he knows everything out there. He knows me and he knows you. He knows everything about you. There's nothing you need to hide from him because he already knows. Um, And so this is why, again, we don't have to know it all. We don't have to worry that, oh, gosh, I'm going to be, you know, blindsided by something. I I have to know everything because we trust in a God that already does know everything. We just have to trust him. That's it. That's our role. Just trust in God because he knows it all. And the last one is that God is omnipresent. And the idea is that he is everywhere present or all present. And so if God's knowledge and his power are everywhere, then so is his presence. There's nothing that can be hidden from him. Psalm 139, I won't read it all, um, but it's all about that. There's nowhere I can go, God, that you don't see, that you're not there. You know, if I go to the depths of the ocean, you're there. If I go to the highest mountaintops, you were there. Even in my mother's womb, you were there. And so that whole um, chapter is really highlighting this, this idea of God. And so this is actually comforting because we don't have to be alone. We're not alone. Even if we feel alone, we're not alone. We have God. God is on our side. And so worry makes us think that we need to do it all ourselves. This is actually kind of a cultural, um, you know, stance, I guess. Like, I just need to do things myself. I just need to look after myself. I'm independent. No one's going to look out for me. I need to look out for myself. And this belief about God challenges all that. I don't need to do it all myself because I have God with me. And it's actually an amazing thing. And so remembering who God is, both from the testimonies we see in the Bible of people's lives, but also personal stories from our lives and the lives of those around us, um, is an opportunity that we can take when we are tempted to dwell on worry. And secondly, the other opportunity that worry gives us is the opportunity to surrender, to, to give Him our worry, that we don't need to pent it up in our hearts or in our minds. We can actually lay it before God and trust Him for the outcome. That's the idea of surrender. Philippians 4 verse 6 to 7 says, Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, I don't know about you, but for me, I know the fruit of when I worry versus the fruit of when I surrender. The worry 
the, the fruit of that is just anxiety and, and just feeling overwhelmed, feeling just like you can't breathe much. It's, it's, you know, very draining, like we said before in those quotes. Whereas when I surrender, the fruit is just light. I feel light. I feel, and it's not kind of this ignorant, you know, ignorance is bliss. It's not like that. It's like God's got this. There's nothing I can do except what I've, I've, I've just done. I've given it to God. That's all I need to do. And it's so true that when we surrender, that peace is so unbelievable. It's such an amazing promise. I've seen it in my lifetime and time again. And so prayer does not actually inform God of our needs. Okay, He already knows, like we said. But it expresses trust in His provision. Um, just in closing, you know, we're at that point with Jordan where we're kind of teaching her songs and before she goes to bed, she'll always be like, Jesus loves me, this I know. And we have to sing it with her. And then God is so good and they're her two songs. And then we go, okay, no more songs, <laughs> go to bed. Um, but one song I kind of teach her during the day is, he's got the whole world in his hands. You know that one, I won't keep singing it. Um, and it's so funny because I'll be, I'll be singing it to her and God will just bring a situation that I'm going through in that moment and it's like this simple kid song that you know we're teaching our daughter to try and teach her like you know the basics about God and God's like hey you're not too old for this you're not too good for this you're not too you know you haven't just because you're an adult now this is still relevant to you and and just that simple trust of God he's got the whole world in his hands And so remember that the whole point of this teaching by Jesus is to get us to the point of living a worry-free life of simple trust in God's provision, just like a child of having that simple faith. Lastly, I want to end on 1 Peter 5, 7 that says this, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time He will lift you up in honour. Give all your worries and cares to God, for He cares about you. And just that reminder this morning that God cares about you. He cares about the things you're facing. He cares about the situations. This is not teaching us to not go to God and go, oh, we'll pretend I don't have concerns. This is teaching us to go to God with our concerns. And so I don't know what you might be facing now or maybe consistently or ongoing that's on your mind or things that have been causing you to worry but we're going to take a moment just to be before God worship Um, and I want to encourage you just to lay that before God as we sing just to bring it to him and go God I surrender it to you I'm going to take this opportunity not just now I'm going to take this opportunity in my everyday I'm going to take this opportunity whenever it arises to surrender to you. So why don't you stand with us?